Welcome, everybody. Welcome. I'm Aubrey Byer. And I'm Shaylin Smith. And, and this is The Resolute. Resolute. We did good. It's been a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're stumbling over ourselves here. It's fine. It's fine. And you have a new family member. I do. Now. A tiny little baby. A tiny baby. Who is... She's so perfect. She is. She's oh a little gosh. chunk. I feel like I love little fat babies. <sighs> and I don't remember... <laughs> the firstborn being so chunky but he probably was but anyway maybe not though she's you know. so chunky she oh. got like the you know job of the hut neck roll kind of a situation <laughs> and i love it it's great <laughs> well we're gonna dive in because we are on baby schedule today <laughs> that's <laughs> <So> right <laughs> we're hoping to get through a whole recording <laughs> um so let me ask you a question all right what were you busy doing at the age of 17 oh boy (laughs) 17 was a time in my life only share what you feel comfortable sharing (laughs) that's yeah everybody's teenage years are like that right well i uh i was in high school but i did that running start program so i was actually at college full-time which is interesting because you know you're hanging out with like anywhere from people your age to 90 years old right yeah so i was hanging out with a lot of adults i was horrified at first though i will say like i think i spent every single day like just in the library didn't talk to anybody the whole first quarter maybe two you know until my friends were like come on and and then it was a a little a little more social barely more social braided pigtails and the same pictures. like neon <laughs> purple pink blue sweater every single day and begging people for money to buy me cookies because i didn't have money for lunch when i was 17 i was <laughs> taking the least amount of classes in high school that i could <laughs> i had like i had like late start and early dismissal and i could have graduated early but my boyfriend was still in classes and so I went to hang out with him. I took, and almost all of my classes were electives, like art. I that had like is two so funny. Art classes. And... Someone's like, what's the point of going, you know? <laughs> I know. It was just fun. Yeah. I was just having a great time. I mean, it sounds fun. I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. I was just living my best little life. And I had lunches, so I'm sorry that you didn't. <laughs> I had lunch every day. Um well, you know, yours is definitely more impressive than mine, but somebody who was more impressive than both of us at the age of 17 is Joan of Arc. Oh, my word. Okay. <laughs> yep. I'm excited. I didn't know a lot about her before. I mean, this is always the case for yep. me, for both of us. You know, right. we don't know much about it. Um, but wow. Just wow. What I, a woman. I have. Okay. I'm so glad you're doing this because I literally <laughs> just looked on our bookshelf the other day and we have multiple books about Joan of Arc. Really? Which is so funny because I haven't read a single one, <laughs> but I have had this desire to learn more about her. Yeah. Um, And yeah, all I know is probably like a spark note or something, Yeah. but I don't know. I'm excited. Well, this is definitely like, there's so much information. There's an impressive amount of information considering this takes place in the 1400s right so i highly encourage you to still pick up one of those books because i can't even like touch i mean there's so many battles that she participated in 
she's just really, really incredible. So um, to set the scene a little bit, we're going to go way back to 1387. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> My kids asked me recently, they're like, what would they call it in the year like 1111? Would they say 1111? I'm like, no way. They would not They would not have said that. They would have said... Well, I wonder if most people even knew like I don't think the they... year, you know? Oh, Probably just ooh. like monks and religious leaders. That's interesting to think about. Or something like that. Because like most or people any... weren't even reading and writing at that point, right? Oh, they, they were, but I think... I, um, I might be misremembering. No, that's okay. But I, but I think you're right. I think very limited people probably knew yeah. the date because probably only more like aristocracy. Yeah, because if you're living your regular life as a you know bread farmer maker or something, or you're not. You're just living by seasons. You're not really. What use is that to? Yeah. yeah. And even I mean that's a good point because Joan of Arc's family they were farmers, right? And she was illiterate. Okay. And so even all three, she never learned to read or write. She did learn at some point to write her name, but all of her letters were dictated. She dictated to to like a scribe. So probably maybe that's when scribes were a thing though too. So probably just as a profession. Yeah. You know, depending on your profession, whether you would even know. Well, I think too, because this is like, I know part of Joan of Arc is like, is partially religious, right? Very, very, very religious. religious. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, the Catholic Church having popes and bis- mm-hmm. bishops and all of that, kind of the reasoning I've always thought was that um, because most people couldn't read the Bible, and yeah. so they would interpret for them and, you know, sermons and all that. Um, I don't know. Anyway, Which this is, is an interesting it's era. really scary to think of. Like Absolutely. Just... If you're religious, oh, you need gosh. to be reading your Bible. And doing your best. It's hard like, when it's been translated for from another yourself. language. Yeah, that is but, frightening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Okay, so we're going back to the year 1387. And this is a time period in which a woman named Marie Robin, or Robine lived. And she was a French mystic mm. at the time. And she... Um, in 1387 was miraculously cured of paralysis oh wow Wow. out of the blue and ever since being miraculously cured of paralysis um she started having these like visions and prophecies enter into her head okay and then she would you know tell people about these because she was becoming known as a mystic right one of the prophecies for France was that an armed virgin would come forth to save the nation. Another prophecy was a virgin carrying a banner would end France's suffering. So similar prophecies. And so that was um, towards the end of the 1300s and during the hundred years war. And this was a time period in France where England was trying to take over, you know, it, it actually England occupied many territories in France. There's some great maps out there that show France kind of broken down into these different regions. Mm-hmm. And England owned the majority of like the northern portion of France. Okay. Um, Philip of Burgundy had, well, I guess I shouldn't say owned, I should say occupied, occupied 
a great portion of the north or kind of the northeastern side of France. And France was just really struggling to maintain its independence Mm -hmm. as a nation. And um, so this Hundred Years War was many different mini wars and battles of France just trying to defend itself. Okay. For, for the most part. Right. Um, so this is when Joan of Arc is born. She's born during this Hundred Years' War. And she's born in 1412. This is about 20 years or so, 30 years or so after that prophecy had been made. Wow. And um, she was born in Dom Remy, which is a village in northeastern France. And her father, Jacques d'Arc was a peasant farmer and he was also a watchman okay. and it was fun like research i i went down the rabbit trail of watchmen yeah and i mean it's before police officers became like a sole profession and often villagers would rotate being a watchman for the city mm-hmm. and you would you know look out for criminal activity and things like that essentially it's police work but it was just really fascinating yeah um, how things worked before these you know um organizations are put formally in place right. what things used to look like right so uh during her whole childhood france is off and on at war some part of france is at war and um she from a really young age felt just some extreme patriotism towards her country and um had seen firsthand some of these attacks Mm. mainly in her youth she helped out on the farm she would do you know various chores and things like that um but in 1425 so this was when she was 13 there was an attack on the village of Dom Remy. Okay. And during this attack, tons of cattle were stolen from the villagers. And this really started to kind of rally the villagers themselves too. And they just really wanted to do anything that they could to get the English to leave their country. So shortly after the attack on her home village is when Joan has her first vision. And in her vision, St. Michael, he appeared to Joan in a garden. And um, Michael, in, especially in France, is seen as a defender of France. And which is, he's one of their patron saints okay. for, the, for the country. And... Um, She also, during this time, would hear from St. Margaret and St. Catherine. These two women, I don't remember what era that they lived in, but they were both tortured and martyred for their beliefs Mm. and for their religion. Okay. And they were both virgin saints. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So after having these visions, and there's not, um, I couldn't find a lot of information on exactly what occurred in these different visions or exactly what was told to her in her early visions but then they become more intentional and like distinct over time 
so after these encounters, Joan swore an oath of virginity and she was only 13 years old, (laughs) which again is, I know like they lived faster back then, you know, because they didn't live as long too. So it's like, you know, you are born, you're a a child for a tiny amount of time and then you're working and then you're a a woman at 13 and you know, yeah, yeah, but still it's it's (laughs) so surprising to, yeah. So, um, Joan had heard of the prophecies that uh, Marie Robine or Robine had prophesied about her, and she knew immediately that it must be her. How interesting. Isn't that incredible? Like, her calling was that extreme. She just knew. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's crazy. How interesting. I know. It is because it's not even just one sided. You know, she's like that. That prophecy is about me. I believe it. I know it's me. Right. And so begins her incredible story. Um, So in the spring of 1428, she begs her uncle to take her to the garrison commander in, um, I think it's pronounced Chignon. And... Um, (laughs) initially the garrison commander refuses to speak with her I mean she's this young girl in his eyes and she is claiming to have some sort of yeah he's like prophecy and he's a commander like he what are you gonna offer me like are you kidding me yeah um his name was robert de baudricor and he just refuses to see her shortly after um the town of chignon was raided and the family all has to flee and she returns to him again and wanting to speak to the garrison commander and again he refuses her admittance how interesting i know which i i do get i mean it's it's hard because one she's a woman yeah two she's young Mm -hmm. and three has no military experience at all yeah and you know i mean i i've known people before even if they claim it's from god i one of my high school friends during high school went on this she had this like existential crisis and became a radical christian and she went to the home of a family that has a paraplegic knocked on their door and told the family that God told her that their child would be healed. Was, was what were they? Were they healed? They were not. So, I mean, you know, it's so hard to know like what right when God is speaking when you have false accounts like th- something like that, or you know, in this case, they're all very religious. Right. It's all very Catholic, and you know so many of these battles are religious battles too but how do you how is he supposed to weed out right yeah like why would do you yeah 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 so i i get that too it's like dude that's that's i know (laughs) 
was not a great move on her part. <sighs> not on Joan of Arc. I was talking about my high school friend. <laughs> not a great move on my high school friend. That makes friend my part. skin crawl. I know. It was terrible. Um, so, but, so she's trying to get admittance with him. He's not refusing to see her. Two of his soldiers are hearing, you know, she's recounting these prophecies, like these visions to other people. And like, I need to tell the commander, you know, I need to see him. I need to talk to the commander. And two of the soldiers fully believe her. Hmm. And they, I don't know if like God put it in their minds to like understand, but um, they fully believe her and they tell Charles, who's the second Duke of Lorraine about what they'd heard. And Charles has, he kind of takes it in a way of like, Oh, you know, maybe like, okay, maybe God's working through this girl. Um, maybe she can cure my illness. Like he's kind of like, you know, he's not, you, I mean, that's not always how that works. Right. She hasn't been given very specific instructions she hasn't just been given I have powers. powers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> just doesn't so have powers. So um, he has her brought to him and <laughs> is hoping to be <laughs> cured. Oh, and instead, she basically reprimands him and tells her, like, in the name of the Lord, he should not be sleeping with his mistress. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, that's like straight John the Baptist right there, man. That's so funny. Dang. I'm just imagining this. You're like, yeah, I'm about to get cured today. And then this little girl's like, "Mm, you're doing a horrible thing. Stop having affairs. Yeah. It's like, like that was it. Dude, that would like. Wouldn't you be so mad? Wouldn't you you be horrified? I'd be horrified. Like, your deep, dark secret comes to light. Uh, from some person yeah. you've never even seen in yeah. your whole life. That would weird me out, man. That would be weird. I'm like, oh, like, okay. oh, she was given those powers. <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> <laughs> Take her away. That's funny. So, um, <laughs> so funny. during um, this time, after she, you know, she's see, uh, visits with. There's a few Charleses in here, so I have to kind of specify. (laughs) After she visits with Charles II, who's the Duke of Lorraine, um, she is, there's a lot of issues with who is supposed to be ruling France. And there's a lot of different opinions about this. Um, Her belief is that it should be King Charles VI. And... um, Oh, you know what? Total side note. Yeah. The Robin Hood story is like King Charles, right? Like it's that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that era. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's I'm not. I, totally random. What, which Charles is that? Because I do. Hmm. It could be this Charles. It might be. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. All I'm thinking about is like the animated version i know like and then he comes the it was it what which is the best version it is the best version so um okay sorry i meant i said king charles the sixth so he is who is king currently okay but her belief is that it should be king charles the seventh it should be he should be the heir to the throne okay now 
there's all these speculation that King Charles VII is a bastard, mm. even though he wasn't. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, it's how they play. It's like only when it suits you are you the heir to the throne. Right. As soon as it doesn't, you know, they throw you, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Um, so she feels that it is the mission that she was given from God was to see Charles VII crowned king. That is hardcore, dude. It is hardcore, especially when there's so much opposition. Yeah. And then you have, like, King Philip having rule, you know, of Burgundy having rule and occupying so much of the country, the English occupying so much of the country, and the city that they would do these coronations for the French king in is in Reims. I might might not be saying that right, but it's R-E-I-M-S. And that is up north into occupied territory. Mm. And so she fully believes that it is, she was sent, like God put her on earth to pave the way to the, that city for King Charles VII to be crowned king. And all of the battles between where they, you know, like where they're at to that city is what her mission is. That is so crazy. I know. And she's 17 years old. It's incredible. Wow. So, um, there's a river that runs right along the city. And what had happened is all of these river, this is where it's like, I'm trying, this is the cliff notes version of her story because there's so much incredible information. But these river towns had been taken over, and that's how you get access, you know, to, for supplies. Right. You have bridge crossings. Yeah. You have, you know, all of these bridge towns are what they have to defeat, making their way up north to the city of Reims. Finally, after... Uh, you know, all probably enough people started to tell um, the garrison commander, Robert de Baudricourt, about her. And he finally agrees to meet with Joan. Wow. And this is almost a year after her first attempt. <laughs> I mean. Persistence, man. Yeah. Persistence yeah. pays off, if nothing else, you mm-hmm. know. That's incredible. Yeah. So a year later, he meets with her. During their conversation, she convinces Baudricourt to send her to meet Charles. And he's the Dauphin, which is the, in France, that's the heir to the throne. Okay. Which still confuses me because it means dolphin. I don't know. I am the dolphin. Yeah. And it's like on the little um, coat of arms for like the heir. Yeah. It's interesting. interesting. France is so, I need to read so much more about France. No, we just need to go and just then we'll learn. One of these days. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he's the Dauphin of France. And the fact that this girl, young woman now, you know, but is allowed to go meet with him is really incredible. So six men are assigned to escort her to meet with Charles. And they give her men's clothing to wear so that... You know, they're less likely to have any issues along the road. Yeah. And um, after this, she would wear men's clothing the rest of her life, Hmm. which unfortunately isn't very long after this. 
but she wears men's clothing the rest of her life. And when she meets with Charles, she tells him her visions that she's had and what she believes she was here to do. Of course he agrees. <laughs> He's absolutely. You know. <laughs> Come on, sister. I know. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, they're meeting with the King Charles VI, who kind of debates with her a little bit about the legitimacy of Charles VII, which is interesting because it's your own son. Right. I don't. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'll never tell the truth. <laughs> like, you're just... You're like, but I guess maybe, like, I don't know, you haven't... Well, no, you'd have to know who the mother is, at least. Yeah. That's... Would you just grabbed a random baby? Like, come on. <laughs> you weren't exactly. there? Like, like, somebody brought it to you? That's where it's, like, only sense. when it suits, right. you know, yeah. their cause. Like, okay. maybe that doesn't suit his cause. It's it's ridiculous. Curious. It's... Or not ridiculous. It's just fascinating how, you know, family against family right. can turn on a dime. Right. In when it comes to heirs and monarchy and money and power Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um privately because she had debated with charles the sixth a little bit she does tell the dauphin that he is the legitimate heir and that she believes you know this is her her mission and of course he's the one who he's like yes (laughs) all right yes (laughs) that's funny (laughs) so um she is sent to ensure that this because this is fair, I think. You know, they want to be sure that this is actually coming from God. So they send her to be examined by theologians, which how, I love it. Okay. How does that even work? What does that look like? They ask you like trick questions like, Do you believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And you're like, Yes. yes. I know, like, that would be really interesting. Yeah, how would a theologian... Or the Holy Spirit. <laughs> theologian is somebody who studies the Bible. Okay, so they have knowledge of the Bible. What, yeah, what could you ask somebody and, you to, know, like, weed them out? I know, especially because with her... Unless it's, like, Growing up in a... Like you were saying earlier, the Bible is told to you. It's told so to you. So she has no way... She had... And she was illiterate. Right. And so there was no way for her to have been studying have, the Bible. Exactly. It's purely just based off of what right. so it's not, her father told her, mm-hmm. maybe. Like, yeah. What so that's that interesting, like? too, because it's not like she'll have all these facts right. memorized. You but know? there could be. I don't know if they were doing this in this time period and in Catholicism, but like way back when. Um, um, well, the Israelites, what was it back then? The Hebrews, mm-hmm. Judaism, they would cast lots and things like that. Um, and it's kind of like uh, as a way of like, all right, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Is this the way? Oh, Which to get way? some answers. Yeah. Okay. And like you can, I think... I know. I, I, I kind of know what you're talking like about. Yeah. Dice roll almost. Yeah. Which, so in, in that sense, like it would be... Nobody would really have input into that because it's kind of random. Yeah. So therefore divine, maybe. Yeah. So maybe they did something like that, but I have no idea how. Yeah. I want to find out, you know, what that would look like. What does the question look like? I know. When do witches get on the scene? Because I feel like that's kind of tricky territory. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Yeah. I know. Well, and then the woman at the beginning is a mystic. Right. Which which I just love that word, a mystic. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what's the difference between a mystic and a prophet? Uh-huh. They seem so similar, don't they? Especially with how they would operate back then. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting. It is interesting. And again, it's you're a prophet when it suits their needs, and then you're a witch yeah. when it doesn't, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Um, so the theologians discover that she is indeed a good Catholic. Wow. So she's been cleared. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to know so bad. I bet you in the Vatican, there's some kind of old, this is what they went off of, you know? Yeah. We'll never get to see it. But wouldn't that be cool to look at? It would. You know it, it exists. Yeah, you know it does. I just want to see it. I know, me too. <laughs> so they're still, they believe that she is a Catholic. They believe in her faith, but they're still not sure about her visions and they want to test it out. Okay. So um, to find out if for sure she is a virgin and that her visions are divine. So they send her to the city of Tours to be evaluated by women, okay. thankfully, to ensure that she is indeed a virgin a virgin and um which is so it sounds so weird to me because what does being i mean yes it makes sense in this case because she because of the prophecies foretold that a virgin would be the one to bring them to victory so that does make sense that they would want to make sure, okay, she is a virgin indeed. But it's also the part that is always kind of great, grates my nerves is when it's like, oh, well, it must be a virgin. It's like, do you know how much more capable I am as a human being now after having children? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, like, absolutely. you get like superpowers. I, 100% I can have agree with a projectile that. thrown at me from across the room to the back of my head and I can catch it blind. You're 100% right. You're <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why Why do you have to be a virgin to like be able to have these? All these uh, abilities like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I just think that's so strange because for men, they it's that's never in there. And I know it's tied with like the Virgin Mary, but still. Maybe, like, well, some men, like, not all men though i guess too. not often just not taking like. a wife doesn't necessarily mean you're not a virgin i guess right, right? so that's, that's a good true. point i wonder I know. Hmm. much to think about i know much to there's think no about. little test for men to find out if they're a virgin or not either is there no how would you know how would you know about women i guess they don't really understand that either but i think i know maybe yeah how would i don't want that test done on me no especially back then oof I just like, what? I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. So many questions. I feel like this whole episode is just raising 10 times more questions. They just shout and they're like, hello. And then if it <laughs> echoes, they're like, not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. We take the seed and the eye of newt and the seed of whatever. And if it turns the color of periwinkle. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like, like a lead test. <laughs> We're virginity detected. <laughs> if the frog croaks thrice upon a midnight dreary. <laughs> no, they probably had more tactical lights. <laughs> but this is what I'm imagining. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> So after she passes these tests, Charles the seventh agrees, and um, at some point the the king Charles the sixth passes away. So now he is 
the next in he's what is that succession succession yeah. succession success yeah yeah <laughs> my brain can't think of I the think. i don't know what you're saying I guess. um so he is the direct next in line okay and they kind of have to act act quickly in order to secure his claim to the throne right so they want to get him to reams to be coronated as soon as possible so he has special plate armor made just for her plate arm this is like what you imagine a classic suit of armor to yeah. look like the one in every disney movie ever yeah and um i've seen one of these only one time you've probably seen one. Oh yeah i'm sure you have like in a real all the one museums yeah, yeah. yeah. so cool it's so <laughs> cool that they're still around it is cool it's yeah. like i don't know like you see it and it's like wow like every every childhood movie you've ever seen yeah it's like, wow there it is you know like, i can only cool. imagine how heavy that would have been i know to wear i know and the cost because it is made tailored to yeah. your body yeah as we all know from a Knight's Tale, yeah. starring Heath Ledger. Absolutely. And the so. woman blacksmith. <laughs> Unheard of. <laughs> so, yeah, he. it's just incredible that that's, he takes it that seriously, that yep. he's going to invest. Yeah. It's a huge investment. That's true. He also bequeaths her a sword. Nice. Which, she's a woman. Yeah. I mean, it's unheard of. And she starts going by um, the title Joan the Maiden, mm-hmm. which puts emphasis on her virginity. <laughs> Because because of the prophecy right. specifically, um, and she's allowed to create her own banner, okay. and which you know sounds like oh okay well that's great but the banners were a huge deal back then because they would have them on a huge pole carrying them into battle so you would be able to know from far off who's coming to yeah. your aid or and is it's that identification enemy? if you end up dead on the battlefield too. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. What I had, um, whereas like some most soldiers, they don't. You don't have that. You yeah. know. Yeah, because it's, it's usually like little peasants or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The nice. When I was in high school, for whatever reason, well, it must have been like uh, probably when I was like sixteen or something. But we had this history teacher, and she, I had her two quarters in a row so like the whole year or whatever yeah and we no joke just spent the entire time learning about medieval knights and oh, feudal so cool, system it, it was but at the time i was like nothing else we're not gonna like, learn anything else that's so weird and, and this is so we made a shield and our own coat of arms and all that and i'm still gonna do that to this day we're gonna have a freaking coat of arms for my family it's so fun i think it's so cool but I need to look it up too because I think technically there might be my one. maiden name. There is a coat of arms that yeah. exists. It's really cool. It's got um, it's black and yellow and has uni- uh, unicorns on it. It has unicorns. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So I gotta find that again. But um, but yeah. Anyway, they're cool. That is cool. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, so I'm just like remembering oh. all of this weird. Yeah, I love that. When she arrives at Chignon to as you know a leader. The soldiers there were completely hopeless. Mm. They, they're, most of them, they'd just been laid to waste during this battle. They were exhausted. They had no morale. And when she arrives and claiming, like, she was sent to God, God is on, I mean, because if God's on your side in going into a battle, you're good. You know you're going to win, you know? 
And, yeah, that um, would give you a lot of confidence. Exactly. Good, yeah. 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 And so um, she really rallied the troops. And with knowing that there was divine assistance, they they were ready to go. And it just completely um, invigorated them. And the war that had begun initially with her leading it was at first one of inheritance Mm. you know she's trying to lead you know king charles the seventh to the throne as well as the hundred years war itself Mm. you know everyone's it's a matter of inheritance well this is english territory no this is france's territory this is you know um philip of burgundy's territory you know it's my right to have this land this is the land of, you know, it's all about inheritance. Right. But it quickly transitions to being one, a, a religious battle. Right. And um, she ends up sending the Duke of Bedford, he was one of the main leaders too, a threatening letter saying that she was sent by God to drive him out. <laughs> and she does. Wow. And it's, it's amazing because every battle it's six it's every single one that she had said god told her to do is a absolute success wow the only time and we'll talk about more of these battles but the only time that she stops having success is when the king is the one that starts to send her places Ah, so it's interesting you know like she really must have been yeah it, it must have been ordained so next, um, she meets with a man named Jean de Dunois, and he was called, which is, is just, his title was the Bastard of Orleans, which sounds so rude. Yeah. Because you don't want to be a bastard. You right. know, you want to know. You want to be rightfully. Your, yeah. Yeah. You want to be claimed. You want to be able to have a claim. But... Um, when I looked into him, because I'm like, it's just the bastard of Orleans. That's so <laughs> rude, you know. But it was actually being called the bastard of Orleans was an announcement of his status because he was the first cousin to the king. Oh, and okay. so being the bastard of Orleans, it was like, well, he's not the king of that area, but he has some sort of claim. Okay. And so maybe it had started out as kind of being like a, oh, you're just the bastard of Orleans. But it became actually something that um, announced like his le- legitimacy in a weird way. How interesting. That, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So um, he's able to get Joan into the city of Orleans and initially she was kind of just used as like a figurehead you know it's like oh she's here she is and she's got her banner and you know she's just trying to like rally the troops and it just made me think of like that quote where it's like just sit and look pretty you know like you're just here for for looks yeah um but soon he started asking for her advice and she herself would go to the front lines Mm. Which is terrifying yeah. to me. I mean, you are the first to get mowed down by what are those like? Was that the javelin? Is yeah, that what, like where they like hold it? Or yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Or like shot with an arrow. Yeah. Um. But her, she was insistent on staying in the front lines with the ranks and fighting with them. 
Wow. And she's and she had no training. I at can't all. I mean, how much training could she have possibly received, you know? Like maybe, I guess. Maybe a few but... months, but this is only how in interesting. Yeah, this is only in uh fourteen twenty nine. Yeah. So I guess I mean it could be like a couple years okay. of training. Let's see. No, maybe a year. Wow. If that. Yeah, because there Which was like yeah, huh. is nothing compared to people spending their lives training to be a knight. Right. You know. Right. So it's just amazing to me. On May fourth, fourteen twenty nine, the Armagnacs um, retreated after. A failed assault. This was part of the English army that they were fighting against. And Joan rode out with her, um, or no, sorry, this was part of the French group. And um, so they had just retreated. They tried to formulate this assault. After Joan rides out with her banner flying, they rallied and they took the fortress Mm. together of Orleans, which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's like, just her presence you know she brought more soldiers but something that was a lost cause ended up turning around in a moment um she also this is amazing this makes me think of the donner party remember when they were like pinning the letters to the trees yeah it's like she writes a letter ties it to a bolt and then has it fired by a crossbowman Where to you? To, like, set demand that they surrender. Oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> that that's kind of cool. I or, like no, it. like, in Monty Python, when, with that, he, like, shoots the note from the window. Have you ever seen Monty Python on the Holy Grail? I haven't. Oh. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen the whole thing. <laughs> There's this scene. This guy's in this. Anyway, I won't go into the scene. <laughs> if you want to know, you got to watch it. It's okay. so funny. But, yeah. So, it works. And they were able to capture it. Wow. May 6th, so just a few days later, they capture St. Jean Leblanc after her commanders wanted to stop after their previous battle because they're exhausted. I mean, it's like this is literally two days later. Right. And she says, like, we can't. We have to push. We have to stay on the offensive and we got to push. We can't stop until we get there. Yeah. Like, her goal was to get two reams. Right. And get there without stopping. Right. And um, so she pushes, and again, they took, it's called, these are all little towns along the way, um, Augustine's, which was an English fortress. They overtook the whole thing and captured it. Hmm. The Again, the commanders wanted to rest and reorganize, and Joan says No. And they li- they listen to her. Like, they wow. follow what she's saying, even against, like, their own judgment and their war expertise. Yeah. It's during the Hundred Years' War. You know they've been right. through battles, right. you know? Um, so the very next day, they took one of the main English strongholds in Le Tourelle. Le Tourelle? <laughs> I can't talk. I can only speak French when I'm trying not to. Yeah. I was going to say, you've been doing really well. Thank you. I Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Maybe Le Tourles. Um, Le Tourles? During this battle. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> just maybe um, during this battle, she takes an arrow to the neck. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? To the neck. 
and she like she doesn't die. receives medical attention she doesn't die wow she receives medical attention and she returns later that same day holding her banner which encouraged the final push to take the fortress that is amazing I, an arrow to the neck to the neck wouldn't be so po'd too because you got all this new fancy armor and then you freaking the get shot one, in the weak spot you know that's a good shot right that's there a good shot but that's didn't didn't take her down. It did not take her down. No weapon formed against me shall remain. That's what Joan said. She said, "Not today. <laughs> I'm on a mission from the Lord, bud." Exactly. All right, boys, let's go marching. <laughs> that's hardcore, man. I know. That's incredible. So, um, the next day, May eighth, all of the English retreat from or- the Orleans. What do you mean, not the Orleans from Orleans? Yeah. And, um, their win. The win over Orleans really solidified her claim that she was sent by God. So at this point, everybody really is believing, yeah. believing in her. They're like, I don't know, maybe. And then they're like, okay, so like, all right. Especially after like push, 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 push. They could have, that was like so many battles right. in such a short amount of yeah. time. And she takes an arrow to the neck. I mean, you're going to believe her after You're going to believe that. her after Like that. she's yeah. putting herself out there. Um, so... Joan continues to really push the army towards Reims, and um, Charles. Initially, Charles was gonna like have her stay and rest because she's injured too, still, um, and she's recovering. But he decides to bring her with him. On June 11th, France starts to recapture all of the bridge towns that I had talked about earlier on the way. Mm. And um, I, I won't go through, like, there's so many. Yeah. Um, but at several of them, Joan would, like, send them a message to surrender. And now, at this point, her reputation is preceding her. Right. Um, however, at Jargot, the English refuse. And so the French siege, the, and the English have been occupying these towns for quite some time now. So they're established. It's not like, you know, right? It, 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 they are hard battles to win. And a lot of these towns, they have moats around them. They have high walls. I mean, think Renaissance, you right. know? Right, yeah. And um, so they, the English refuse and they siege the town anyway and they win it the next day. Wow. That's During, crazy. I, I know. And they had to climb the wall. Like they had to put, you know, like... um ladders against some of these walls and climb up lord of the Rings style lord of the ring style of Hel- battle of helm's deep yeah yes damn <laughs> during her climb on one of the ladders she is struck in the head with a stone and it splits her helmet and she's still fighting oh. she it doesn't phase her well i mean i'm sure it That's phased like her concussion for a city bro yeah good lord i know on June 15th, they move in on Moing sur loire and they take control of that town's bridge. The English withdraw into the castle. Some of jo- Joan's army stay there, and then some of them head to a castle at Biogency. During this, so the English are trying, they're, she's just moving so quickly, they can't even send reinforcements in time Mm. they can't even get a grip in time to know where to send their soldiers next before she's hitting them you know it's like a wave after wave 
So some of the army stays in Muang Sur Loire, and then some head to the castle at Beaugency. The English send an army from Paris to relieve Beaugency, but Beaugency didn't know that the English were going to come and assist them, and so they had already surrendered. Nice. I know. (laughs) Because she's that quick, too, you know? Yeah. So the English end up having being forced to retreat because at that point, with the surrender, they've already taken the castle. Wow. Um, Joan's army, they could have just let the English retreat, but they pursue them and they just obliterate it. Nice. (laughs) Which I'm like, ooh, that's not not great. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're retreating, come on. Yeah. But war is war. War is war. Um, under the threat of attack on July 16th. So this is all happening in a matter of like three, two months. Four, yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. two and a half. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Two, two months. Um, Reams under the threat of attack and they've heard like, <laughs> can you imagine like, oh, just Lord, like she's watching all the dominoes fall and you're like, they just open their gates yeah. for the French army. And Charles is coronated the next day. With Joan at his side. Wow. That's so cool. I know. Um, Joan announces that God's will has been fulfilled. Because that was her goal. And the Duke of Burgundy, he agrees to a 15-day truce during the coronation. And he's supposed to arrange the surrender of Paris. Because that was occupied by Philip of Burgundy. Okay. Who's the... Philip... He's the Duke of Burgundy. So 15 days later, um, or no, before the 15 days is up, sorry, he goes back on his word. Of course. And Joan wants to march immediately to Paris. And, but with Charles just being coronated, his court hasn't even settled. Like, you know, when we talk about the court, it's. Uh, it's not just like, oh, people in fancy clothing. It's all the inner workings of what make a government work, essentially. Yeah. You have all your advisors. You have your financier. You have all these different p- moving parts that make the monarchy work. And that is part of the court system. You have your military leaders. And there were issues getting the court in place. And because of the, that, it they weren't fast enough. Like Charles couldn't make a decision fast enough. And um, so it it was like a couple months by the time that they finally launch an attack on Paris. And by this time, the the Duke of Burgundy was ready, ready, ready. Like he had way too much. If they had acted immediately, the outcome very much could have been would have been quite different right but i mean this is july that he's um coronated and it's not until september 8th that they attack paris wow yeah and during this attack joan takes a crossbow in the leg this attack results in over 1500 deaths in that one battle wow yeah which is a lot of when you think of Back then, too, you know? Yeah. So, um, Charles, instead of continuing to fight after all these deaths and, like, Joan's down, 
he really wants to end it. Joan disagrees and she says, like, we gotta we gotta keep going. We'll win it if we keep going. Yeah. But unfortunately Charles makes the final decision and her army is forced to retreat. Yeah. Didn't trust her no more, huh? No. And this is this starts to be the decline. Wow. After that defeat, like her role in the French court just you know they love you when they love you and then they're the first ones to shred you apart you know and that's what happens like her status everything just poof it's gone and she has no more say in any of the inner workings she's lost all respect from everyone which is so absurd like she's the reason he has a crown on his head right yeah that's and really interesting it's but as she said her the role had yeah. been fulfilled so yeah that's interesting well though. and like when she was the one calling the shots it was successful right and she wanted to stay and fight right. and you know so later that month charles disbands the entire army and Joan suffers two more defeats because he sends her. Like, she didn't want to go to these other battles. Okay. And they were ones that he... It's like, now that he's in power, he's really flexing. Interesting. And not taking any of her advice. And both of those other battles end in defeat again. Huh. So, um, I just that, that's interesting to me. Yeah. You would... It's... You would think, I mean, they fully believed that she was ordained by God. Why would you not keep listening? Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, if you really <laughs> like, believed it, yeah. what happened? Yeah. That's really it's, weird. And in, a, in a, such a short amount of time. You know, it's not like years later right. and she's now bonkers doing something crazy. It's like in, just in the a matter blink of, of an eye. Yeah. yeah. Weird. I know. So it makes me wonder, too, if like once the court kind of settled if charles was getting counsel that he was taking the advice of his counsel right yeah and it was just bad counsel i don't know yeah but um so this led to a truce with the duke of burgundy and um at that point since they're in a truce there's no more need for joan right so um, she is basically completely discarded wow. during this truce. Before the truce was up, Joan decides to take matters into her own hands, and she leads a company of volunteers to a town, the town of um, Compiègne, and she did not have Charles' permission. And during the Battle of Compiègne, she ends up being captured because along the way she initially started with all these volunteers, you know, just people that want, wanted to fight for what they believed was their right. Yeah. But they start to drop off as she's pushing because they're not, a lot of these aren't soldiers too. Like some of them are, you know, but she, her MO is to just push, push, push. And so winning these little battles along the way, People just were like, I'm done. I'm out. I yeah. can't do it anymore. Yeah. And often there wasn't enough like resources because it wasn't a well thought out plan, I think. Right. You know? So she finally does get captured. 
she is taken to um, Beaulieu Le Fontaine's castle and she tries to escape, is recaptured. And so after that, she's transferred to a different castle where they felt had more security. And she es- does escape, but she jumps from a window in the tower oh my. and lands in a dry moat. Oh, that's not a great escape imagine? plan. No, it's a terrible escape plan. Okay. She survives, but is very injured yeah. and immediately recaptured. Oh. I think she's just... I guess I think you, if you've been captured, you're going to want to escape, even if it's not... I know. And yeah. you're just imagining... I mean, she's a woman. Right. And in wartime. Ugh. Yeah. You know, that's scary. Yeah. So she's transferred from, like, Burgundian custody to English custody. And there's no... Like, Charles knew that she had been captured, and there's no record of him tr- doing anything to try to negotiate getting her back. That's interesting. Isn't that terrible? That is terrible. <sighs> he just sounds like the worst. Yeah. He probably is the Charles from <laughs> Robin Hood. <Yeah. laughs> I'm interested to, to see. On January 9th, so this is the winter of the following year, in 19, or sorry, 1431, she's on trial for heresy. So she's known as a heretic, which is like, denying the core catholic faith right and blasphemy because she was wearing men's clothes which is like going against it's like refusing it's like going against god's word i was just talking about this last night actually with christian like i don't know there's been a lot of uh folks who were like oh you have to wear a dress because if you don't wear a dress then it's like blasphemous well that and then it's like disrespectful to both your husband and your children which is like how please make that make sense to me but i just find it so funny because it's like this concept of like you're a woman so this is how you need to dress you're a man that's how you need to dress as if like in bible times they all weren't wearing robes which are (laughs) dresses you know what i mean like it doesn't matter like that's not that a biblical so, thing it's so you know so what i mean like yeah it's so absurd to me but anyway it is it is absurd <laughs> but also like these theologians vetted her right and then they dressed her up like a man like they did that i know yes Look. she's no longer of use to them so that's gotta get so, rid of her and that is a, such a good point and that's where it's like, oh, well, it's fine until we say it. It's like they yeah. just change their minds, you know? Yeah. yeah. So she refuses to confess anything because they're saying, okay, you're, your actions are de- demonic because you were claiming prophecy when it wasn't. Wow. You're a heretic and you're blasphemous. Wow. And she says that she will be judged by God alone. Wow. So the... Uh, uh, well... A bishop named Pierre Cauchon of Beauvais was to judge her trial. And when she testified, she said um, that she was sent by God. Exactly what we all have come to know is that she was sent by God to defeat the English and to crown Charles as king. Right. And, of course, there's all sorts of trial issues. You know, like there's all sorts of issues with (laughs) this whole situation but there was like issues among the jurors there was it was amazing like hearing the court process 
back then, it wasn't that much different from the our court process now, oh, which was really interesting. Yeah. Um, she was guarded by men and the English, which she should have been guarded by women. And since they're claiming it's heresy and um, it's not treason, like they weren't claiming that it was treasonous. They're claiming blasphemy and heresy. She technically should have been guarded by the church. Right. Like this should have been a, a religious issue, but that wasn't the case. And she was interrogated for hours and days without counsel. And mm. I can only imagine what that yeah. would have looked like, you know? One trial clerk, uh, cleric left the service feeling that, because at one point they got her to confess. Mm. And one cleric left the service really feeling that her confession was just coerced because it was, right. you know. Um, one who questioned Koshan's right to judge was put in jail. Mm. So now, like, the jurors are, or not the, the jurors, but, like, I, they were called um, clerics. That's, so how do you, nobody can speak out against this, you know. Yeah. Um, she was shown devices of torture to intimidate her. I'm sure she probably was tortured, you know. Um, she met with jurors and, or the jurors met, sorry, and they decided they were the ones to determine whether, how much she would be tortured or not. <laughs> Just Gross. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's messed up. That's, that's like a weird, that's weird. Um, so she is forced to sign a document saying that she will no longer wear men's clothing or bear arms. Okay. <laughs> so she signs it. Ugh. And I, they're not done with the trial yet, but that was one of like her conditions. Yeah. Was that she couldn't wear men's clothing. And in the jail, she's taunted by the guards and physically abused. And they throw men's clothes in there and force her to wear them. Okay. Which is just so... Uh, let me guess. She got in trouble for that. So she... So, yes. Are you kidding me? She wears them. And then at that point... Um, but she wears them and still... And I think... I don't know if it's like... They had just really worn her down because she confessed. And then they make her wear a dress... And tell her that, you know, you can't wear men's clothes. You can't, you have to abide by these rules. Something changed. And I, I just wonder if it's just the abuse from the soldiers. Because when she puts on the pants or like the men's clothing back on, she decides I'm going out right. And she refuses to deny her visions hmm. and just says loudly and long that she was sent by God yeah. for this mission and yeah. never denies it again. Yeah. And because of this, she is of course convicted of being a heretic and is sentenced to death. Wow. I know it's so, it's awful on May 30th. She's tied to a tall plastered pillar and she asks, um, it it sounds like, I mean, I'm sure people weren't really nice to her, but she asks, like, there was a few requests that were granted to her while she was tied to the pillar. One was she wanted to view a cross as she died. 
And one of the soldiers made one out of sticks, like, really quickly and handed it to her. So she just, like, clutched it to her chest. Wow. I know. And then she was burned at the stake. Oh, my God. I know. Or burned at the pillar in this case. I don't know the difference. Oh, wow. And um, to further the insult, they... uh, her burned ashes were spread in the Seine River. Wow. I know. That is a lot, man. That's hardcore. I know. And so quickly, like all of it. Well, yeah, that's like a little over a year then, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the aftermath, uh, Joan's death caused major issues for Charles. Probably should have tried to get her out of there, you ninny. Because it made his claim to the throne, it made him a heretic. Because. Right. Because, yeah, what an idiot. Right. Exactly. Why? Like, that was his whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So, what a wow. dumb Wow. Wow. So, what he does is he opens up an inquest into her trial. Not, I mean, doesn't do anything to save her in the moment. Or try to get her back or negotiate any terms. But in 1450, he opens an inquest because, of course, it's affecting him now. And they decide they have like a retrial that decides that Joan was a prisoner of war and was put to death without by it, without basis. Wow. That is like, ugh. I know. Yeah, I'm going to have to read these books that we have downstairs because this yeah. is like. It's unbelievable. It's a lot. It's hardcore. It and is. to have such on, conviction like, all... on her part, yeah. you know, like I know. I that's know. crazy. She really was a martyr. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So with him opening the inquest, that opens the door for a second trial later. And it's called a rehabilitation trial. Okay. And that occurred on in 1455. And um they uh Sorry. So, the, and this took place in at Notre Dame. Oh, really? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, it's wild. Um, at, at Joan's mom's request. Okay. Over a hundred witnesses were heard by the court, and um, they find that the original trial was unjust, <gasps> and so the original trial was nullified. Wow. After she had already been murdered. Yeah. So a cross was erected on the site of her execution and um, she was, you know, gosh, it's just stories like this are so sad when it's rash action and then you can't go back, you know? Yeah. So, um, but she was, it's called uh, beatified. I had never heard that term before. But she was, I'll I'll explain it, but she was beatified by Pope Pius X in 1909, so hundreds of years later. And what it is, is it's interceding on behalf of someone for entry to heaven. Interesting. Okay. But that many hundreds of years later, isn't that interesting? It's a long time. I know. Like, it makes you want, it just tells you kind of the religious climate at the time and all the struggle that that underwent especially in like england and france huh she was canonized so made a saint in uh may 1920 really by pope benedict the 15th how interesting i know like so many hundreds of years later yeah it's just i mean i know that 
that's usually the case for like a saint, but it's just interesting. That it was is like interesting. in yeah, enough hindsight, I guess. They're like, yeah, this was real. <laughs> yeah, like in the, a century that you were born in. Yeah, this happened. Isn't, Isn't that, that wild weird? to think about? Huh. Yeah, she is the patron saint of France as of March nineteen twenty-two. How interesting! I know. I gotta, I gotta read more about this. This is really fascinating. Wow. And that is Joan of Arc. Thank you you're for welcome. all your research and for sharing this story. Yes, you're welcome. I hope it was smoother than it felt because speaking is hard sometimes. Yeah, you know what? That's so true. <laughs> and it's like you get out of the groove, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's been a minute since we've recorded, so I, hope I, th- I think it sounded bad. good, but okay. I'm okay. sleep deprived, so who knows <laughs> if that's worth anything. Oh, we re-listened to it and it's like Girl, those wow. pianos that are out of tune. We're like, whoa. Oops. But yeah. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope it's piqued your interest, listeners, to learn more about her because she is amazing. Yeah, I gotta go read a lot more. And then I don't know. There's so many players too, and her 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 journey was burn burn bright so fast. Yeah, a flash in the pan is what they say. Yeah, I don't know. So true. I'm just saying weird phrases now. I guess, but (laughs) hopefully y'all get what I'm saying. Oh man! Yeah. Well, well, thank you guys for listening, and you can follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. If you want to support the podcast and this tired mama over there, <laughs> um, you can do that through Spotify or Patreon dot com. But as always, we just really appreciate you sharing us with your friends, and mm-hmm. um, we're interested to hear what your favorite episodes have been. Yeah. So email yeah. us. Shoot us a line. Yeah. Comment. Do all that. It's fun. We're having fun. We We hope you're having fun. fun. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.